Welcome to Trollodon Behind the Scenes. I'm Chad Corey. Episode 1, An Introduction to Trollodon, Part 1, The Early Years. In thinking of what might be the best possible subject to approach for the first episode of this podcast, it came to me that probably the most common question, or more so I guess some common inquiry I get from people is, kind of how did the world of Trollodon get developed? How did you develop this fantasy world setting And that's probably, I think, the best way to kind of start things out here and address some things that I think might be inspirational or at least helpful for some people trying to build their own world, maybe inspiring that, you know, they can keep going and what's possible with them as well, learning from what I did and maybe what not to do and things like that. And in the interest of keeping this on point and keeping the message from getting too girthy with the individual podcast, I decided to break the message up into three different segments. The first part, obviously, is called the early years. The second part will be called the middle years. And the third part will be called modern day or present age. So without much further ado, let's kind of get into the whole early years of the world of Trollodron. For those who know me or have read anything I've written or produced in the past, you know I like backstory. And so in order to kind of share more about how Trollodron came to be, I want to do a little backup here and explain kind of the background of where I was and what brought me into that creative venue and outlet, which became Trollodrome. And to do that, we have to go back to when I was 12 years old. It was around that time that I had this epiphany that I should pursue writing. Now, at the time, I didn't know necessarily where where that idea came from, but somehow the idea came that writing is somehow an easy profession. You just get to sit at home and get paid money to write and don't really have to go anywhere or do anything. And yeah, I didn't, didn't really have a full, clear understanding of what the process was. And I didn't really understand how financially I was not totally accurate in my assessment of that profession. But that did get me moving in the direction of creating things from a literary standpoint. And I took the next several years creating different stories, short stories, comics, and things of that nature, writing most of it out by hand because I wouldn't have a computer or at least a reliable computer, for several years until I got into high school. And even then, it took me a while to get my own. I had to get a, you know, my first job to get money to, to pay for it. But that's a different story. Um, but basically what happened was when I was 12 years old, I, just tried, I was trying to find a, a genre that I could get into, trying to find some type of story that I felt was something I could relate to and, and, and tell decently and, and write and, and get something producible and uh, publishable. And so I tried a, a bunch of different flavors of, of stories, you want to call it that, um, horror, sci-fi, even some like, kind of, I guess you can kind of call them crime or thriller stories, things like that. Did some superhero comic books, kind of just all over the board with, with different things. Didn't do any romance, but, but did mostly gravitated towards the action and, uh, and uh, speculative fiction flavor of genre. Um, eventually what happened was I found myself gravitating toward fantasy and which was weird because I never read fantasy growing up. I didn't really have a a really strong introduction to the setting in general. Uh, There wasn't anything really pulling me toward it, although I I did like the movies. This was back in the early 80s, mid 80s. 
And so there are a lot of fantasy movies going on then. And, you know, so I was kind of attracted to that type of form of entertainment. Um, there was different video games coming out at that, that time as well, which I kind of got into and again began to learn more of the terminology and jargon and stuff and began to find that I kind of liked the whole concept of magic and wizards and dragons and monsters and all that kind of stuff. And so I kind of got some of the seeds planted at that point in time. And then I also kind of got into more comic books and things of that nature Again, that exposed me to different concepts of fantasy that I wasn't maybe readily thinking about or had access to at that point. And so it kind of got me thinking about what what is and isn't possible. A few years down the road after that, when I started high school and things, I really got into, I guess you can say, history. That was kind of interesting and uh, inspiring and planted some seeds in my mind, back in the mind, for things I could use later for different things I'm, I'm doing now. But basically what happened was, as I got older and I got exposed to some more, some more knowledge about different, like I said, genres and history and all that kind of stuff, I started coming across actual books because I learned early on that if I had to be a writer, it would probably be a good idea to actually read something, which at that time, I was not a big reader, which is ironic since that's you know what I'm producing now is books for people to read, but wasn't a big reader, wasn't a big fan of English, was, like I said, wasn't a big fan of school in general. And so to me to actually get into a profession that that's kind of a big aspect of it, it was kind of a weird thing for me. Like I said, I didn't know why initially I wanted to go that route when I made that decision. But it, it's paid off, I think, in a lot of good ways. And I think I'm a lot better because of it because it just it's, it was a fun learning experience, if anything. And I, I appreciate that part of it. But again, getting back to the, the main gist of the matter here. When I got into reading, I began started. Yeah, reading what I thought was kind of what I wanted to do, and that tended to be more of the horror and the the uh, action-adventure type of things, maybe a little bit of sci-fi elements in it. But then I started finding people like Robert E. Howard and Dungeons & Dragons novels and, and things of that nature and other authors at that time who were producing things, and I said, you know, this is kind of kind of cool. I can kind of relate to this. I can kind of, I can do this. And it was really, out of all the ones initially, it was really Howard who inspired me because Howard had a good thing going for him in the sense his stories were very short. And again, if you're reading, <laughs> coming from the standpoint of not wanting to read in general, and you're trying to get yourself to read some stories, having short stories, which were new to me at the time, I didn't know too much about them, that was a great kind of gateway drug to get me into larger stories and larger tales. If you were to sit down a, a big, massive trilogy to me at that point in time, I would, I would not be a big fan of that. But you sat down some Robert E. Howard things or some short stories like that, where I can kind of get in and, and get involved with it a little bit, and okay, kind of get out before it got too much for me or too boring for me. That was good, and that's what I found worked really well for me, and that's what got me introduced to fantasy in general. It also taught me a lot about what to do for world building, building because. Howard, he, you can say what you like. I mean, I, everyone has their own opinion. Howard, of course, like any author, has the pluses and minuses to what they did. He's very much a, a product of his time. If you read what he produces, it's very similar to what the, the mindset was with a lot of people that was popular in popular culture at that time. But he, he did show an interesting way of writing action, an interesting way of writing his stories, which I, th I took some elements of and learned about and kind of made my own as, as time progressed. Now, coupled with this was I took a greater interest in mythology and just the, the background history of 
various monsters and things like that, like a lot of young guys do at that, that age in their life, dinosaurs and things like that. So I incorporated those elements as well into kind of getting a better idea for a common mythology that I could use and adopt and, and put together for future stories that I did. And so I was reading a lot of the classic mythology, reading a lot of summaries of different types of mythologies, different cultures, things of that nature. And then again, incorporating that with what I was reading in the fantasy world, I thought, you know, this could kind of work. This would kind of make, make some sense. And so then I started stepping out and writing and producing some kind of fantastical stories in, in my own sense. Now, they weren't amazingly awesome by any stretch of the imagination, but they were me kind of stretching my, my fantasy muscles, my writing muscles, because again, up until that point, I hadn't really done a lot of fantasy writing. I've done, like I said, horror, action adventures, a couple crime things, and then you know, the few couple sci-fi things, nothing really of a fantastical nature where you've actually had a different world in and of itself. Now, what I learned early on with that process was, well, I enjoyed writing things and I enjoyed making stuff up as I went along with the individual stories. I was not able to fully flesh out the world setting. And that proved to be problematic for me as the story progressed and as I began to develop more of the story and the plot, I began to realize, well, wait a minute, how come this can't work? Or wait, this can't work. So I began to realize, well, if I said this and this can't be true, and then I was, you know, beginning to contradict myself, right? Because this is the whole reason why you got to have at least a guideline when you write something. So you have a basic idea of what you want to accomplish with the story and have some type of semblance of a of a solid reality of a world setting in place before you start writing, because otherwise you're going to end up doing a whole lot of rewriting and doing a whole lot of contradictory things. You're going back and tweaking stuff throughout the writing process. And it just saved you a lot of headaches if you just had a basic understanding of our structure in place before you started going off and, and making these stories. Even short stories can benefit from having a, a common understanding of what the, the world setting is as far as the basic reality of it is and the parameters of what is and isn't possible and all that kind of fun stuff. But again, that's a different podcast, different topic. But that's where I learned a lot of that is by going and doing these stories. I wasn't getting a lot of story done because I was having to go back and rewrite a whole bunch of it. Or I just got frustrated because I didn't know where the story was supposed to continue. I didn't have a plot. So like, I start writing and I go, oh, well, now what happens? Well, I don't know. So I just kind of left it. And so a lot of those were left unresolved or a lot of them didn't, uh, didn't really finish the way that they should have for lack of a better term. And so that's kind of where I was with the development of Trilodron. I was writing these stories. I was learning from mythologies and histories and cultures and things and getting some inspiration from Howard and a few other people in general with their books. And around that same time, I began to discover and get introduced to uh, Dungeons & Dragons, which I'm, I'm sure many people have who are in the creative field. That seems to be a common theme now, especially in this modern time. People are getting plugged into it for all sorts of different reasons. And it just, for me, I can't, again, I can't speak for everyone what they do with it or how they use it. But for me, what it provided was a sense of story structure and allowed me the opportunity to begin to explore and create different stories and allow people to take on characters and find the holes in my plots and find the holes in my storytelling and basically make me a better storyteller by having them kind of test me on a, on a common basis. And for me at the time, that was really beneficial because I didn't have a writer's group I could go to. I didn't have a, a knowledge of who to connect or contact with. Again, this was back in the well, late 80s, early 90s now. 
and there wasn't really the internet like it is today. There wasn't a lot of social media. There was no social media. So it was very hard to get a hold of people in what we consider very easy today. It was very hard to contact and reach out and find places and people you could connect with to help when you're writing. And so this allowed me the opportunity, like I said, on a, on a regular basis to sit down and to craft stories and to have people go through them and, like I said, fine-tune them and help help get me better suited to telling stories in general. So that's really what I used it for. I really, really enjoyed it. However, by doing that, I needed to become a dungeon master, which means I'm the kind of guy running the entire story. But I quickly found that, as I, as I said before, it was a more open-ended uh, process as far as what the setting was like. I mean, they had different places you could plug into and and do stuff with, but I was never really... 100% plugged in with the various options they had at the time. And that's not saying they're terrible or anything. I just didn't want to commit at the time to spending more money on products and things that I had to read and follow their guidelines and stuff and what's presentable. I wanted to kind of have more control over the story and have control over the world setting because that way too, at least in my the group that I ran with, everyone liked to buy all the books. And so it was very hard to keep things kind of secret and mysterious because everyone had all the books so they could just reference the material and know all the ins and outs and kind of get some secret things on you that you didn't know they're going to do and you know again testing the plot holes and things in your story so it helped to have something that was unique and that they would not have ready access to and so that's where I kind of developed the process of designing my own world setting and that in a nutshell is the genesis of the world of Trollodron at least in the early years. And before we go, I just wanted to make you aware that I'm also encouraging you to send any questions you might have my way via the following email, behind at chadcorey.com. And that's C-H-A-D-C-O-R-R-I-E.com. And I'm looking for any questions you might have. It could be about things I said in this particular episode or the podcast in general, questions you might have about Trollodron in general, uh, anything that might relate to the world setting or stories that tied into it, I'll be happy to consider and see about answering either uh, individually on this podcast when I can sneak them in or maybe even just have a whole episode dedicated to multiple questions being answered if enough so warrant that. So would encourage you to do that. Please send them my way and I'll look at uh, getting to those in the hopefully not too distant future. And I think that is where we're going to cut it off for now for the sake of time. Uh, next episode, we'll talk about what happens now in the ensuing years between the early years and the present time, how to change and develop and get to where we are today. Thanks for listening. This podcast is copyright Chad Corey. All rights reserved.